You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Wenig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to Cause and Effect. I'm that early childhood nerd, Heather Winnig, and joining me today is Tiffany. Hey, that's me. <laughs> I was cracking up during the intro because Tiffany was giving me like a visual five to one countdown, and I was flashing back to Wayne's World. So for those of you that have that context, you'll know what I'm talking about. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I haven't it. thought about that in like forever. So we're here to talk again today, Tiff. Hey. You ready? How's it going, Heather? Great. Going um, this is the first time I've seen your face since Uncon. Oh, you too. I was thinking so about nice. that today, about how it's been too long since I've seen your face. Right? It's nice. It's so nice. let's let's start with our quote tonight, today. Okay. So this is from Alfie Cohn. Um, the quote is, no one comes out and says, the reason I run this class is because I assume children are basically untrustworthy. And that's from his book, Beyond Discipline. And it's so true. It really is. <laughs> so before we take off with this, though, I have to say two things. I have to publicly pledge allegiance to Alfie Cohn. Yes, I'm also <laughs> publicly pledging my allegiance, hand over my heart to Alfie Cohn. Establish publicly that my love for him is deeper than Lisa Murphy's. <gasps> so I'm just going to put that out there. Whoa, girl. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. So anyway, yeah, I've been a huge Alfie fan for a long time. But this this quote really, for me, is like Alfie in a nutshell. Doesn't mess around. Doesn't no. beat around the bush. No. Nope. Just says what the truth is. And, and eloquently says what the truth yes, is. Yes, says it, says it very well. Um, and so I wanted to talk about this. I've been thinking a lot about the image of the child. Yes. Which, um, so for some folks, that's, a, you know, of course, that's a big piece of Reggio. So people who are into Reggio have already done some thinking and talking about image of the child. But um, I see so much of what is frustrating for teachers boil down to the fact that they start with sort of a negative image of the child. Yes. Even if they're not aware of that. Like, it's not an intentional thing. Yeah. Uh, but so that's that's why this quote jumped out for me um, was just to give us a starting point for talking about how changing the way we think about a child can change our experience with that child. Sometimes yeah. I love everything you just said. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, I also love Alfie Cohn, but I think I'm I love him less than you, but that doesn't mean I love him more well, than 98 percent of the rest of the population. <laughs> you're You're younger than me. I have probably a 10 year Alfie head start at least. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I the reason this quote resonated with me is because I think that just like you said, that image of the child, that idea that teachers I, I think a lot of it is subconscious too. Oh, absolutely. That teachers 
don't even realize that what they're doing is communicating this message of, I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And it happens all the time. Yeah. And until you can like release that control and tell children that you trust them in unintentional ways that you will forever have children that are quote unquote untrustworthy. Right. Right. And I think obviously this quote from Alfie, because it's from the book beyond discipline, obviously it's about like classroom discipline situations and, um, and children with their behavior, but it, it really can, can fit any, I mean, if we think about things like why aren't there any scissors in the art area in this three-year-old setting? Yeah. Why well, don't they just get to use them all the time? Right. It's it's because <laughs> you don't trust that they can you that they can do it. Yeah. Um, and and some folks are just right out front with that, and some folks it's more subconscious. Mm-hmm. And, and I I feel like I, while I don't philosophically agree with it, I appreciate someone who is upfront with their untrustworthiness. Yes. It's the people that don't realize that by overscheduling and, you know, smelling the hands when they're done using soap, you know, it's the people <laughs> that don't realize that they're communicating this great untrust yet talk about you right. know, how great they and how much they respect children. But like you communicate every day that you don't trust them. Right. Those are the people that I worry about the most. Yeah. Well, and I think those are the people who are reachable. Yeah. <laughs> so also... we're, we're dividing our audience up for a little bit now. But, um, Sorry, guys. I mean, not, not, not that no one can change or would change, but um, for the people who haven't ever sat and thought, okay, what really is my image of the child? What really do I believe about um, children's competencies and their motives and um, and what they want from me or to do to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, until we really spend time with that, we can't move in any other direction than where we are right now. Yeah. Exactly. So if if you're the one who's afraid to put out scissors, and and that could be a valid concern. You know, maybe that's because someone cut their hair and then mom yelled at the teacher at the end of the day, or because there was sort of some sort of injury. Um, or because they fight over the scissors when you get them out. Those are all real things that we can address. Yeah. But they're not good enough reasons not to give children trust and opportunity. Totally. Usually that's happening because they haven't had the opportunity and the practice. Yeah, exactly. You have <laughs> to give them, them out. you have to give them trust before they can earn your trust. It's a two way street. Yeah. You yeah. can't just like you know sit back and watch like oh I don't know if I trust you with these scissors yet like you'll never know (laughs) and they'll never feel trusted until you trust them with the scissors yeah I think about this sometimes because I teach knitting classes at a yarn store here in town that's beautiful (laughs) I I do really like it (laughs) um but I think about you know what if I what if I made a prerequisite for a beginning knitting class that you already have to have a few of these skills or I can't trust you with these pointy needles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be uh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Of course, I expect someone who's never done much knitting before mm-hmm. to come into a knitting class needing the materials, the trust, and my help. Yes. But That's for how... some reason, <laughs> with kids, suddenly it's different sometimes. Yeah. Oh, if they don't use it right immediately, I don't trust them to use it right again. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. This touches on something that makes me furious, so I'm going to bring it up. Tiffany rage. Uh, It's the should-haves 
Mm. The the teachers that are like, well, he should be able to use scissors by now. Yes. And that is so untrustworthy to me that like encapsulates all of this because clearly he can't use scissors yet. <laughs> Why are it you judging him for that? that? He should be able to. Yeah. yeah. Clearly he can't. So how yeah. are you gonna help him? Isn't that your bleeping job <laughs> right right you call yourself a teacher yeah and you say that you the reason you're in this field is to help children learn and develop mm-hmm. and be the fullest whatever they can be mm-hmm. but then you lose patience with them if they don't automatically have all of that stuff yeah and it's the preconceived stuff yeah i feel like scissors for us is a you know yeah, it's kind of, sort of a, it's kind of a black and white with the mini. scissors. <laughs> I I like to think about tattling a lot in this framework. Oh, sure, yeah. Because tattling is really annoying. Right. And it's really hard for adults to deal with, but at the same time that to me that's no different than using scissors. Mm-hmm. That's and a lack of problem-solving skills or a lack of support from friends or, you know, just needing a grown-up to say, "Yes, you have done a thing. Thanks." Right. Or they trust you when you say, come to me when you need my help. Yeah. And then they come to you and you're pissed about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have like an immediate negative trigger with whiny voices. And I, I hate to even use the word whiny voices because it's already a negative label and a judgment. but (laughs) (laughs) But what I know is that I know that about myself so I can control my reaction to it. And that's, I think, what we need to be able to do with this. When we're making a decision about what children can or can't do or should or should not be able to do, we just need to think it through a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't come easy for everyone. And in no. the heat of the moment, that's difficult to do, I know. Yeah, but it just takes doing it. Mm-hmm. It's, let's put our Carol Dweck growth mindset hats on right now. <laughs> yeah. It's possible to do. You yeah. just have to be yeah. conscious about it and uh, you know, yeah. that is the thing you're working on this year. Yes. Also known as the Oname Winnig rose-colored glasses. Ooh. That's my mother-in-law. <laughs> She's the queen of seeing the bright side. Oh, I love it. I do too. <laughs> She's awesome. Um, so this, so I think, I can't remember where I read this, but I'm going to bring another quote into this discussion. Bring it on. Of, of a first quote. What? You're not allowed to bring in more quotes. <laughs> you should know better. <laughs> I should know better. I'm 45 years old. <laughs> And I should know better. I always have to stop and do mental math because I never really know how old I am. So it's good that I was born in an even year because that speeds up the math process. Anyway, so another quote. What was I going to say? Oh, I, I, it might. it's probably Margie Carter and Deb Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, but they posed a question. Are the decisions you make for your classroom, your family, child care, home, your parenting, whatever, are they, is the goal to develop capable people or are we suppressing competency for our own convenience Mm. and I think that's what you're what you're sort of hitting on yes exactly give them the opportunity to show us the competence or to develop the competence we expect it and when we don't see it we get frustrated yeah yeah that is a great metric for determining whether Mm. you are trusting children or not right Right. I just thought that phrase suppressing competency was such a challenge to me like that that was laying it out there. Heather, yeah. what are you doing with your decisions? Are, they... <laughs> so, are so, you suppressing you, competency? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. yeah. Yeah. 
going to ask myself this question like every <laughs> day from now on. There's hey, this child question. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the should, should be able to part of this conversation um, reminds me of another author. Good grief. Heather Dan mm. Gartrell who writes a lot about guiding behavior, mm-hmm. um, specifically in early childhood programs, but he recommends talking about children in terms of being months old rather than years old because it breaks those sort of preconceived ideas we have associated mm. with what a two-year-old should be able to do and what a three-year-old should be able to do and what a four-year-old should be able to do. So I like that because whenever I'm trying to change something whether it's a habit or a mindset or a process, I like mm-hmm. to change the language too, because yeah. that, that gives my brain a trigger Yeah, um, to get out of the old way and stay in that new way. Mm-hmm. So, so thinking about, you know, if you're inclined, if you feel yourself getting ready to say you are three years old, you know, well, he's 37 months old. That's yeah. really not very much life experience. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. And if I've got someone who's 24, 36, 48 months old, I can't hold them to a higher standard than I hold someone who's got, again, four and a half decades of experience Yeah. with figuring out the world and, and all the nuances and developing my skills and all that. I just, we, we sometimes hold them to that higher Yes, standard in the name of being a teacher. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of the nature of the beast anyway. Just anytime an adult interacts with a child, you hope that that child turns out better than you. Sure. Even if you're a great, wonderful human being. Right. You always hope like, oh, I hope the next generation (laughs) figures all these things out that we've messed up. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's just like somehow inherent in that interaction but yeah. switching it so that it's a positive, not mm-hmm. a negative. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the phrase, I can't, maybe implicit bias is what I'm trying to think of. But, you know, we all are born with, because yeah. our brains yeah. are sort of wired to categorize things and 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 judge based on those categorizations. And new information gets, you know, compared to all these schemas that we've got already. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, because there is that we do have a societal bias against children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, and I think I posted this on Facebook, but um, I was at a bookstore last weekend and checked out the parenting section mm-hmm. and it broke my heart because every title was your kid is garbage and you need to take control. <laughs> yeah. And none of those books point the finger at who is actually being garbage not to imply that anyone's being garbage that's a really fun word to say (laughs) right you can't see that I'm pointing my finger at myself right now (laughs) also I'll vouch for you you (laughs) so many times the person that needs the parenting book is not the child it's the parent the parent needs to look at their own behavior right I wish that there were infinite books yeah (laughs) I wish that that was the norm yeah I do too and and I think that all that all feeds into what do we really think about children? Yeah, and that's sort of what our cultural upbringing has been: that mm-hmm. adults are always right, and children should just do whatever, and they're always trying to get away with something. And if you give a little now, they'll take a mile later, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Even if we have the best teacher prep classes and we go to the best trainings and we listen to the best speakers and the best uh, podcasts and the best podcasts, (laughs) (laughs) Q and A with T T and K. Oh, I was talking about cause and effect, but (laughs) well, we plugged each other now. Oh, Oh. Hmm. Hmm. anyway, (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I totally forgot where I was going. Uh-oh. But there's always no there's even always if in that, teacher training. Yes, there's always that cultural bias that we have to get past. Yeah. So I, I guess for me it really just boils down to awareness and are you willing enough to stop and think about what you're doing with children and why you're doing it with children. Mm-hmm. And what does that say about your image of yeah. the child? Yeah. I, so, I would love to think about practical things people can do yeah. to uh, understand their own image of the child. Mm-hmm. And maybe a way to look at their actions as teachers as, am I conveying a message as trustworthy yeah. or untrustworthy? Yeah. So do you have one to start with? Uh, I have no. kind of a broad one. Oh, okay. No, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so and I tell this story a lot. Um, but when I first took a job at a, the, as the director of the center that I was at five years ago, so this was six years ago, I took the job. Um, to, one of the things I did to get to know my teachers, and they all know this now, so I feel like they all know they were part of this experiment. Excellent. <laughs> but I would, I would take essentially loose parts kinds of things around to the classroom. So if we got a big shipment, I'd take the um, shipping packing paper and the boxes or something like that, mm-hmm. classroom to classroom, or if there was just some junk, before we threw it away, I would take it around and I would ask teachers if they wanted it for their classroom. And I could gauge by their response what their idea about children really was. Ooh. Like, oh, yes, give me that now. Or, oh, they would destroy that. That would cause so many problems. They would kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that gave me a good starting point. So, Ooh, yeah, I mean, that's I like that one, one thing. That's one thing that people can do is just imagine if someone brought you <laughs> yeah. a, a, a six-foot wad of paper from a packing yeah. box. What is your response? What would your response be? Yeah. How would you respond to that? Or the other thing we had was long, uh, just recently long cardboard tubes from fluorescent light bulbs. Ooh, fun! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so, again, we had some teachers who... Uh, most of them, because, you know, we're, we're several years in now with them knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> around, but, um, they, they were like, they had sort of shifted from, uh, you know, maybe several years ago, a few years ago, the answer would have been no, they'll just hit each other with it to, well, let's, what can we think about? We know they're going to try and hit each other. How can we make that okay? Or what can yeah. we, you know, and just shifting. So that's a reality maybe children will hit each other with long cardboard tubes. Yeah. Have you watched adults play with cardboard tubes? Because that's what I would do. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Um, And they're going to, you know, they're going to be swords and whatever, but instead of discounting it and assuming that that's a negative thing about the child Mm -hmm. say, okay, so this is our developmental reality. We still want them to have the experience of these materials. Yeah. So what kind of planning can we do beforehand? Yeah. Maybe you put them outside. Yeah. Yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I but love we have that. lots of good block, lots of good um, block center play with those. Um, and lots of sword fighting. That was also yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So good with the tube. Mm-hmm. I also love noodles for sword fighting. And I oh. love connects for sword fighting. Oh, really? Whoa. Yeah. Connects make the best weapons because you can never <laughs> hit someone hard enough to hurt them. The connects so, always break first. 17 people just shut off. <laughs> Sorry, guy. The best thing for sword fighting. Yeah. Oh, that's that's excellent. I'm actually reading um, Discovering the Culture of Childhood. Which right I now. hear you love. 
I do love. I read it with hearts in my eyes. And um, so that all obviously is a lot of the why image of the child has been on my mind lately. But also I'm right in the middle of the section about let them do sword play. Mm, let, yeah. let them do those things that you assume are negative because the research says there's no connection to yeah. playing this way and, and being violent later. Um, I look at weapon play as a source of power, which I think ties mm. in nicely to our um, things you can do to assess whether you yeah. trust children or not. Right. Um, I'm constantly looking for ways to give children more authentic power, uh, which starts small. It mm -hmm. starts with, you know, let's put the scissors on the kid level instead <laughs> of away until we need them next. You know, yeah. giving them real power starts small, but eventually gets big. Um, yeah. to the point of like, why don't you just sleep when you want to sleep? Like that sounds uh -huh. like a good way to give you power. <laughs> Still haven't worked out the logistics of how to do that in a full-time tiny classroom, but we'll, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we don't realize that just having scissors on the shelf is giving children some power. I mean, yeah. we don't, we, we just probably haven't thought about it in that way. Some of us, yeah. um, and that the more we can give children some power over their day, the less challenges we really will see. Yeah. Because they won't feel like they need to assert and aggress for that power all the time. Is aggress a word? I just invented it. I like it. It. it sounds like it is. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> Add it to the Heather Dictionary. <laughs> I will. The Winnig lexicon, we call yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but that's, I also think that there's a difference between uh, real power and false power. Yes, Which line is, leaders are not powerful positions. Assigning someone a line leader position, yeah. not giving them real power. Right. That is the teacher saying, I don't trust you enough to figure out who the line leader is. Also, it's a teachery game. Like yeah. it's, it's This is what I think teachers do. We assign classroom jobs without really yeah. thinking. Yeah. Oh, wait, this isn't authentic power. Totally. This, this won't accomplish what we want to. Um, can I tell you what we do instead of? Walking in a line with a line leader? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Um, I taught all the kids what amoebas were, and we walk like an amoeba. <laughs> there's no head. There's no beginning. There's no end. We just all awesome. walk. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I could do a whole episode on lines Ooh, and yeah. getting from A to B. That Ooh. would be a whole thing. But let's keep talking about giving kids power, because yeah. I think that's a big piece of this. Yeah. Um, I really would like to, and I just, I just wrote this in my notebook the other day, so I don't know what spurred it, but, um, I want to spend some time just thinking about like my average daily schedule, what happens in my day uh -huh. and all the, all the things that I have control over mm -hmm. and just make that like really black and white and then look at a typical child in some sort of care settings day. Yeah. And do a, like a, okay, so what do they truly have any power over and compare the two? And yeah. sort of get some perspective in that way. <gasps> this like, sounds like a great research project. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do let's it. do it. Okay, no one steal it. This is us. Tiffany and I called dibs on this <laughs> idea. I see some great scatter plots in our future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I wish I could remember why that came up, but I just think anytime too we can put that perspective. So maybe just another real thing people can do is think about the decisions you get to make for yourself every day. Yeah. And how absolutely. would your day change if someone else was making all those decisions for you? Yeah. Just having that perspective might make a big difference for the mm -hmm. way you think about things. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think about the regular workday versus in-service workday. 
Oh. When you're on an in-service day, mm-hmm. someone is telling you where you're going to be and when you get to pee and what games yeah. you're going to play. And when you're on a regular work day, you get to decide, and maybe you're making all these decisions for children too. But that, to me, should be the comparison for you. Yeah. How do you feel on you know, an in-service day? Well, actually... Maybe your in-service isn't a good... Well, I, no, I was just going to say, I have exactly the flip-flop of it. Like, I was really on board with you until you started telling me what you meant. <laughs> I just had a few in-service days, that's all. No, that's okay. No, but I get that, and I, I understand that completely. But, like, our... We call them professional development days. We do them twice a year. Um, and they're much more laid back. And people, you know, get up and potty when you need to potty. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're here for serious stuff, but you can relax a little. And they don't have to wear their um, smocks that they wear. They can dress. So everybody on professional development day, we see everybody as like their real people person. Like yeah. they have makeup and they've done their hair and they're wearing nice clothes and they're all excited. And um, they get to kind of choose how they spend their day. You know, there's some structure, of course, you have to be in this room with us, but you can sit where you want. But comparing that to their classroom day when they have to follow the dress code and they know they're going to get messy. So they don't, you know, maybe do their hair or whatever. And, um, they're kind of confined by the same schedule every day. Yeah. So it's like the same thing you're saying, but opposite inverse perspective. So, So on professional development day, they feel like they have a little bit more power and there's a noticeable change in group dynamic and mood. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I wonder if there is a correlation between teachers that are trusted Mm -hmm. and their ability to trust children. Because I view Mm -hmm. teachers as not being trusted most of the time. Yes, there is. Maybe not most of the time, but... There is that dynamic where the school board knows better. Not, I'm right. not speaking of my own school board, who I love very dearly, <laughs> <laughs> or my own administration, who I also love very, very dearly. Um, but there's this whole message of, like, the school board doesn't trust you, so they're going to pick the yeah. curriculum for you. They're going to choose what you get to wear. They're going to choose what time you do math as a district. Like, that level of untrustworthiness, I feel like, trickles down. Absolutely. More yeah, more I hadn't more. thought about that, but I think you're right. There's de- that's definitely the reality for a lot of people who work with young children. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they're not trusted themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the way that we would expect adults to model for children, the leaders aren't modeling for those adults. Yeah. So, so it's not maybe happening. So does that make it more difficult? for someone who's working with children to make some of these changes we're talking about if they're in an environment where they're not given that trust. Well, logistically, I think immediately, yes, (laughs) you should do it anyway, obviously. But because I don't think having that paradigm shift from trusting to, from not trusting to trusting children changes Mm -hmm. entirely everything about your practice. Right. I think that it changes how you approach things uh-huh. and it changes your reactions and it changes what you're willing to try. But I don't think that yeah, it means sure. you have to like quit your job. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. <laughs> it might. Right. Sometimes that happens. Sure. Kind of happened to me, yeah. but yeah, you know, it, it doesn't mean, well, now that I trust children, I can't live in this world where I'm not trusted. I think right. it, it helps you notice it more. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, and again, it, maybe it's just that perspective. So, you know, we talked a minute ago about taking taking the perspective of not having power. Mm-hmm. So now we're thinking about, oh, so how do I feel knowing that maybe or not feeling like I'm trusted by the people who lead me? Mm-hmm. So that gives you another layer for your own reflection. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Definitely. That sort of felt like I was talking in circles, but yeah. If you feel like it makes sense, it made sense to me. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I followed. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, do you want to do you want to go down the behavior road with this quote a little bit? Yeah. That's where Alfie was was taking it. Yeah. Because I that's that's I mean that if you ha- that'll be a theme in most podcasts because it's <laughs> one of my sort of passion project kind of things is yeah. to change the way we think about children and, and behavior stuff yeah, um, and the way we talk about it and what we assume about it. But I think um, if you look at any, just about any list of typical classroom rules, mm-hmm. it's like you start by imagining all the wrong things a child might want to do. Yeah. And how can I stop that? Yeah. And, and that's like starting your day with zero trust. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think that sounds like an exhausting way to live. It really, it really does. <laughs> it really is. Oh. Uh, I yeah. mean, you know, we, we've talked about things we did before we knew better. And I definitely have evolved a lot on this topic because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I came from a, a spanking family, as most of us do, and, and entered the field without any specific training other than that the rule said you can't do <laughs> <laughs> So, so, but, but I've, I've definitely moved from seeing my job as controlling children's behavior Mm-hmm. to um, helping them develop the skills they need in the same way that I would if, you know. They couldn't pronounce they couldn't their R's. Their R's or write their name or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's a totally different focus when we make it developmental and not moral, as Dan yeah. Hodges would say. How many names have oh, I dropped in this a episode? Lot. We should Lots. have a little bing, a little tally. <laughs> Every time I drop on it. The, yeah. <laughs> Double yeah. doing if I kept them in real life. <laughs> um, I think that. Oh, lost it. Don't know what I was thinking. Well, I was drinking coffee, so I wasn't thinking. Ooh, it'll come almost there. Uh, uh. <laughs> nope. Oh, uh, shoot. All right. It was in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, it's it's back. It's back. Okay, good. Uh, this idea that, so you had, now you have this developmental slant. You trust mm-hmm. children more. Mm-hmm. Has it completely changed everything about everything you do? Or do certain things, did certain things in your practice remain the same? You just think about them from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I think it pretty much changed everything I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I got to process that a little bit. But um, I just remember once I started to learn about development, mm-hmm. um, and, and that includes thinking of behavior in terms of social development or emotional development stuff, mm-hmm. um, 
I was so relieved. <laughs> yeah. That I it just I got excited about this new perspective because it was going to take so much weight off my shoulders, not thinking in terms of being a good teacher means the children always do what I want them to do and they're quiet when they need to be quiet and they're still when they need to be still. Yeah. That was so stressful. Um, but now knowing that, um, even if there's stuff I want to work on them, work with them on Mm -hmm. or skills, I think that they should, you know, should practice a little bit so they can do it better next time. It, it feels much more collaborative. Yeah. Now, um, it was, it's sort of a relief for me not to feel like I have that power over them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because ultimately you, you don't. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's this false idea that you do. Yep. Because like they're individuals having their own experiences. Yeah. You know, I hear, I, I hear adults say all the time things like, well, the only person you can really change is yourself. Yeah. When they're talking about adult relationships, <laughs> but I don't hear anybody saying that when they're talking about children, children. Yeah. <laughs> they're expecting children to change to whichever adult shows right. up that day. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it, it really was such a relief for me that I feel like I sort of just took off with it once yeah. I made that shift. That's beautiful. Well, I hope it is. I, I hope no like... one's listening going, no, Heather, that's not you. <laughs> I feel like I also am in that like changed everything about mm-hmm. me shift. It didn't happen overnight for me. Right. It's like a slow, steady burn. Um, <laughs> but I think that there were things in the beginning. I wish I could think of an example that it wasn't. Oh, I will go back to the scissors. Uh-huh. I've always been a fan of leaving scissors out. Uh-huh. And initially it was because I didn't want to have to get them down every time a kid asked <laughs> for some. And then it was because I wanted the children to feel powerful. So it's like I'm not fundamentally changing my practice in that example. It's just a change of viewpoint. Gotcha. I, hmm. But I think that probably changes practice. I mean, just changing yeah. viewpoint. Yeah. Because once you have that little glimmer of awareness in one area – you don't just turn that off then and go on with all your other areas. It sort of is always there. Yeah, it's that theory versus practice continuum. Yeah, yeah. It's a consolidation Mm -hmm. phase. Mm -hmm. The consolidation phase Mm -hmm. of teacher development. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is my hand signal for... (laughs) Yes, I'm going around. (laughs) I see that. I get it, I get it. Um, What else do you think about this? Oh, I wish that every teacher ever just trusted children. (laughs) It doesn't mean you don't set limits. That's another thing. Oh, right. Yeah, we should say that. that It doesn't mean that you don't give the train some tracks, Mm -hmm. as Dan Hodgins would say. That's Mm -hmm. Dan, right? There's one for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it it does mean that, like, you give them the tracks and then they get to choose their speed. Uh Uh-huh. To continue that metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like I know enough about trains to continue in that metaphor. Maybe there's some steam or coal or... Oh, was there a horn? Hung at some (laughs) horns. (laughs) Um, Now I'm just thinking about how annoying Thomas the Tank Engine is. Sorry if anyone loves him. I can't do it. Um, Is he even still a thing? I don't know. 
Yeah. Still yeah. Thing. Kids still like him. Um, I just, I, I just think that this maybe examining what your image of the child is and how that affects your decisions with children might be the most important piece of work that you do to prepare yourself. Yeah. I mean, like I think oh. training is great and, and reading and all that stuff to improve yourself. But I think that willingness to put the time and practice in mm-hmm. to really, to really think about, even if that just means looking at your classroom or looking around your home and seeing where things are sick or stored or yeah. kinds of things are out. Maybe that's the first step is okay. Yeah. So why, why is that shelf so bare? Is it because before we had too much stuff and it was overwhelming, yeah. which is a reason to take some stuff off the shelf or is it because no one could play nicely with it? So I took it all away, yeah. <laughs> um, which are two totally different, different approaches. Yeah. I wish that every teacher training program started with, image of the child yeah yeah me i too. feel like that comes before child development mm-hmm. because of all that implicit bias mm-hmm. yeah yeah Whew, that got heavy it did get heavy <laughs> <laughs> but i you know i just i just think it's not fair <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't <laughs> to have that that burden already coming in um we've sort of already made our minds up sometimes yeah about Um, two-year-olds yeah and you know sometimes it's not your image of the child maybe we need to take it more individually you know we've been talking about group and big picture image of the child but what about your image of this one specific child yeah is there something in there you know because we i don't trust or believe anyone who tells me they like all children yeah, no, I don't either. Because we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're not willing to be honest about that, then that's a that's going to be a major roadblock. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the whining gets on my nerves. And I know for some people, kids who have constant running noses are hard to interact with. <laughs> or, um, or the ones who throw blocks all the time. Or For me, it's ones that touch my face. Not, <laughs> not babies. But yeah. You know, Babies old, older kids that should know better, but still <laughs> insist on touching my face. <laughs> Listen, Tiffany, <laughs> they've only had 48 months of experience. In face <laughs> I just have to a set more, a healthier limit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's a starting point, too, mm-hmm. is who do you work with every day? Think about how you interact and what your thoughts are about each of those Um because think, we've, we've probably all seen or been in a situation where um, two children are doing the exact same thing, but it only bothers you when one child does that oh thing. Oh, my gosh. Because yes. you've already got that that block. Yeah. So, so for some of us, it's going to be the image of this individual child that we need to spend time with. Yeah. I think that's a great, great project. Mm-hmm. I wish... This is just me being a nerd right now. I really want a nice graphic organizer for this. Like, how do I break down and think about the image of the child so that I'm really looking at the whole child? Mm -hmm. So what would it look like? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think just thinking about it might even just be sort of think keeping track of the things you say. 
you know, if you've got one child that you specifically feel like maybe you need to examine your feelings about. Yeah. Keep and track of maybe it'd be like positives. Yeah. Or negatives. Yeah. Even just tick marks or, you know, yeah. um, was it a directive and a correction or was it real conversation? Um, yeah. and, and starting there or even just how many times did I use his full name today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is very different. For um, because my, my friend Laura, who does some of the other episodes with me, likes to talk about um, the question a child might ask, is my name safe in your mouth? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which is powerful for me. Uh-huh. Um, because especially you start to see other kids using that kid's full name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like instant uh, ostracism and stigma. Yeah, <laughs> unless I they bet. have a really cool name and you just have to say the And you just like to time. say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's some of those too, but, um, so, so maybe just some sort of simple tracking is the first thing to do. Um, whether it's a post-it note in your pocket or something that the whole team is doing together, if you've got other teachers on your team, Mm -hmm. um, to make it visible and get it outside of our own heads. Yeah. Is a good thing. Yeah. Um, or, you know, going, if you've got like your room is organized by interest centers or learning centers going center by center and looking at the materials in that center Mm -hmm. and thinking about why did we decide to put this in here? Mm -hmm. Is there anything we've taken out? Why did we make those decisions? Yeah. So I think those are some kind of concrete. It's not the graphic thing that you were talking about, but those are some more concrete things that we could do to take a step in the direction of becoming more trusting of children. Yeah. I I guess I was trying to get at like, how do you determine if you yourself are trusting or untrusting of children. Right. Right. Looking at the language you use. Mm-hmm. The, the materials you materials offer. Materials you offer. Your rules. Uh, yeah. Rules. Mm-hmm. Um, how you talk to other teachers about your children. I think yes, another one. That's a big one. Yep. Yep. You mm-hmm. just sit down in the break room and unleash about the animals in your classroom. If you even <laughs> wait to the break room. Yeah. Or is it happening over there? Do you do it in that's, front of the children yeah. also? Like, oh, that's a big Definitely untrustworthy flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in going back into the image of the child for that, your image of the child in that instance is that he's not fully human enough to understand that we're talking about yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Said uh, that's another pet peeve of mine. Ugh, brother, uh, this podcast has made me completely understand everything that makes me feel uncomfortable about the positive discipline book. Oh wait, what's oh the one that you used for your. We were reading it for in service at school. Yeah. And it's like everything on paper about it sounds like good tools for teachers. Like they're trying to get teachers to look at um, how do you trust children's behavior more, essentially. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. all so that's like the theme is how do you give children more power? How do you give them more trust? Great. Great. Love it. Awesome. The thing that just, just like, little bug up my butt. <laughs> Do that one more time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, is that all the language implies that the children are untrustworthy still. Ah, uh, yeah. And it's this very, like, I feel very torn about it. Like, I, if yeah. all of the teachers at our school took everything they said to heart, great, they'll be better teachers for it if they weren't doing these things already. But at the same time, this message is still that, like, just from the language right. of like, oh, yeah. these children have misguided goal or mistaken goals. 
like, the oh. fundamental belief about children hasn't changed. Yeah. Just the language that, that we're using yeah. and the techniques we're going to inflict on them. Yeah. <laughs> and are a little I, bit different. That's part of my conflict with that book is that the techniques I I support. Mm -hmm. The idea that like you should stop and look at what the child's actual need is and then address mm -hmm. that need. Yep. Great. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> to say it as the child has mistaken their need. Like, no, that's no, no. nope, nope. Mm. The child has a need no matter what. You're the one who mistook their need. Mm -hmm. You are the one making the mistake. Yeah. And I feel like that. Yeah. That's still putting yeah. a lot of the burden of change on the child. Yeah. Which is not fair. Because no. <laughs> we're grownups. Because we're perfect. Right. You turn 18 and you're a grown up. <laughs> and and everything's perfect. good. That's right. You make good decisions. Uh -huh. You have excellent self-control. Uh-huh. Uh, I always like to, to say things like, well, have you ever tried to quit smoking? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, or tried to change your eating habits. You know, knowing what to do and having the willpower to do them are completely different Very things. Different. And they take time. And it doesn't make you a bad person as no. an adult. To struggle with changing those habits. Yeah. So Same why do we think it makes a child a bad child? Yeah. I would say also if you, after listening to this, realize that you are someone who does not trust children all the way. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change overnight. Right. You can do it. Yes. Just, just like just eating start, healthy. or just start reflecting. Yeah. yeah. Change one or two things. Yeah. Give yourself a some sort of, you know, maybe change your routine a little bit so it shakes up a little bit but not mm -hmm. the whole thing mm -hmm. doesn't have to be the whole thing all at once so true yeah okay so that was good that was great <laughs> thanks for chatting when you were, with me when you were pointing at your wrist i'm assuming that you're telling me it's time to wrap up <laughs> you are <laughs> correct <the> <laughs> okay, all right well thanks for joining me for this conversation oh thanks for and, inviting me along uh, always fun and thank you guys for listening to another episode of cause and effect This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.